1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll start at verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. I invite you to bow as I pray. Father in heaven, I, pr- I ask that as we come to you, hearing your word, that you would speak with clarity. Lord, we come today, many of us from, from very different positions, some eager for this day of celebration, a day of resurrection hope, some with doubts, questions. Others of us feeling the weight of sorrow and sadness. And yet we all come with the same need, the need to hear you, to know you, to be known by you, to find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that as we listen to your word, your spirit would be powerfully active in our hearts, letting us see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and give us the faith to believe. Lord, we ask for your word to provide comfort and hope and instruction, but Lord, we we long to see Jesus Christ, Jesus who suffered and died for us, but Jesus who has been raised from the dead. So Father in heaven, we come praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Joel was diagnosed with a rare form of aggressive brain cancer just after his first birthday. His parents struggled with the feelings of helplessness as they watched their tiny son hooked to hospital machines. They endure the chemotherapy. They see glimmers of hope when when they get news that a tumor has shrunk or disappeared. But they live in the shadow of death. Ryan, Joel's father, wrestles with this dread of hopelessness. He's a software programmer, and he actually imagines what living this, what what going through this experience would be like if it were a video game. Now, cancer is not a topic that's normally dealt with in, in video games, but Ryan was drawn to the idea because video games put you through a series of tasks so that you can complete a quest or beat the level or, or move up and advance in the game. But, but Ryan was realizing that, that in this life he was living, that there were oftentimes that he felt stuck, that there was nothing left to do, there was no next step, there was, it seemed like, no level beyond the one he was stuck in. 
He thought back to a night in the hospital trying to calm his young son. Nothing works. Joel's unconsolable screaming. He bounces Joel. He gives Joel juice. He sings to Joel. But nothing works. In the middle of the night in this hospital room, his son is inconsolable, screaming in pain. So in tears, Ryan breaks down and just prays. And finally, there's quiet. His son is asleep, resting. So Ryan imagines that moment as a scene in a video game. Actually, game makes it sound fun. It's not meant to be fun. It's, it's more of a, an emotional experience to play the game. As a player, you go through the scene and nothing you do works. Every possibility, it just, just fails. Until finally you watch this father sit and you hear him pray. See, Ryan wants to find a way to help people understand the, the real struggles of life. He thinks a video game can actually do that. It can be more than just a diversion or a distraction. The game released earlier this year is called That Dragon Cancer. That Dragon Cancer. And its, its tagline captures Ryan's purpose. Sustaining the hope and joy of life. Wired Magazine describes it as a quest to make the most profound video game ever. For Ryan, he's simply chronicling the hope that his faith offered in the midst of a helpless situation. Nothing he could do soothed his son. He was left with no other option except to turn to God again in prayer. But his faith in the resurrection offers him hope in this life, hope in a hospital room. Ryan's faith offers him comfort and peace. Comfort, peace, hope. We all long for this, a life that's filled with meaning and joy and satisfaction. And we wrestle with the the kinds of feelings that Ryan felt in that hospital room, those feelings of, of helplessness. But is faith merely an opiate for the masses? Does it merely dull our senses so that we don't actually feel the pain of life? Does it divert our attention away from from the the harsh reality? Or does it offer us real change? Does it offer us real hope? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead gives us hope. Yes, hope that impacts our lives now, but hope that stretches beyond this life. The church in Corinth in the first century received the good news about Jesus. The Apostle Paul went to this city and preached the gospel. They found hope and comfort in the true story of what Jesus had done for them. If we, if we skimmed through the letter, we would see the Apostle arriving there. He describes his ministry of preaching that he came, he came preaching the message of the cross in chapter 1. He's declaring that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for sins. He says that, that the focus of his preaching in chapter 2 was on Jesus Christ crucified. And then as the, the letter continues, we see how, how the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus, offers real change, real hope for the church in Corinth. It lets them be united together, putting aside their, their petty factionalism, and, and be united 
as one church. It, it lets them live lives of, of morality and obedience to God. It shows them how they should live in the world, how they should flee from temptation. The resurrection of Jesus explains to them how they should, should live and worship and work in a city. It offers them meaning and hope. And so the Corinthian church understood the present hope of the gospel, the present meaning of Jesus' work. But as we turn to chapter 15, it becomes clear that they're beginning to doubt the future hope that Jesus offers. Because Paul addresses in, our, in, in what we read this, this doubt that they were beginning to say, well, maybe there is no resurrection. There is no bringing to new resurrected life those who are dead. So they've accepted the, the present tense, peace, comfort, meaning, significance of, of the work of Jesus, but they doubt if it, if it means anything moving forward. And so Paul challenges them. He says, yes, we can have peace We can have comfort now, but more than that, more than that, the gospel offers us hope even at death. Look at the way the Apostle Paul phrases it in verse 19. He says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, if only right now, where you're living now, Jesus offers you hope. If if there's only hope when when you're praying in the hospital room, but no hope after that, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. See, many of us come to to Jesus with expectations that things will go well for us, that that Jesus will be able to give give us some peace, some comfort. He'll help us piece back together the mess of our lives. For some of us, we think if if I come to Jesus, then then all the things that I long for, the money, the wealth, the, the power, health, position, influence, comfort, those will all be mine. We, we come to Jesus because of what he can do for us right here and right now. And, and the disciples, they had expectations for Jesus' ministry. They were expecting Jesus' kingdom to bring real and lasting change right here and right now. They wanted political change to overthrow the oppressive Roman regime. They wanted religious revolution to bring about a spiritual awakening to the people. But at Jesus' arrest, they're quick to flee, to run. Because what they had been expecting, the hope, the joy for right now, seemed to be slipping through the fingers. And Paul admits, when when he asks this question, if only for this life, he's admitting that, yes, we have hope for this life, But he's saying, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are to be pitied more than all men, because you and I need more than comfort and peace. We need victory over death. Because if our hope is only for this life, then we are to be pitied. And look at the way Paul then describes the, 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 if if there was no resurrection of the dead, what that would mean for, for those of us who call ourselves Christians. Look back at verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Preaching and faith would be useless, empty, void, without meaning, without any substance. Or verse, 17, or verse 15, the very next verse, he says, more than that, we're found to be false witnesses about God. It would be empty, meaningless, but, but it would be false. It would be harmful, destructive to hold to something that, 
that turns out to, to not be true at all. Or in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. It offers you nothing. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. See, the Corinthians are beginning to doubt the reality of the resurrection. But Paul says, if, if you take away the resurrection, you lose Christianity. The resurrection is the lynchment. If you pull that out, everything falls apart and you have nothing left. Because without the resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's what Paul says in verse 17. If, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. See, Jesus died in our place. He paid the penalty for our sins. And his resurrection proves him victorious over sin. It shows that the, the price has been fully paid. And so without the resurrection, then you and I are still in our sins. We have no present hope if there is no resurrection. Because our faith is futile. What we preach is meaningless. Without the resurrection of Jesus, then the dead are not raised. Those who have already died, they're lost, verse 18 tells us. It's not enough. It's not enough for crying to stop in the hospital room. We need a bigger hope than that. We need more than a temporary peace. We need more than a passing comfort. The doctors gathered Joel's parents to tell them the cancer had returned. Every treatment option has been exhausted. The, the experimental trial that they attempted on the other side of the country failed. Joel's cancer is fatal. His parents can barely hear the words of, of, the, doctor, of the doctors. It's a tragedy. We're very good at end-of-life care. So his family gathers their church in the living room to pray, to pray for a miracle. They cry out to God. They, they, they rejoice in the hope of the resurrection. They, they plead with God for the life of their son. But that night, unlike when peace and sleep came in the hospital room, that night there was no miracle. Joel died that night. And so our faith must do more than offer us a temporary hope. It must answer the question of death. It must offer us meaning facing death. Because in the face of death, we need real resurrection hope. And do you see that's what Paul says in verse 19? If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Now listen to verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Do you hear the earth-shattering echo of those words? Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. See, Paul is saying, if you only have hope now, if there is no hope in death, then it means nothing, but Christ has given you victory over death. Paul affirms the, the reality of Jesus' resurrection. The beginning of, of chapter 15, he says, he, he passes on what is most important about, about the gospel. In verse 3, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried 
and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the central truth of Christianity. See, the resurrection of Jesus is not simply an inspirational idea. It's not a a metaphorical description of, of how you can gain victory over the problems in your life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a definitive, physical, actual, historical fact. Jesus Christ stepped out of the tomb in a resurrected body. Jesus' resurrection is real. It is physical, and it is meaningful for us now. And look at the way Paul describes the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, Christ's resurrection causes our resurrection, which is still to come. If you've put your faith in Christ, then you will be raised on the last day. Look at the, the connections Paul makes. Look at verse 21. For since death came through a man, he's describing Adam. We have a contrast here between Adam, the very first man created. We see that back in the very beginning of the Bible. And the last Adam, Jesus Christ. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Paul is saying, you have a representative who, who, who rebelled against God, Adam, the first man. Went his own way, did his own thing, rejected God's plan, turned from God's love. And you and I are lost in sin because of Adam's rebellion. And willingly, joyfully, we follow Adam into that rebellion. But Paul says, but there is another man, a, a last Adam, the final Adam, the, the, the perfect man who has arrived, Jesus Christ. God's own son, born of the Virgin Mary, a truly man, truly God, who, who, who has gained victory over death for us. Paul's saying that death comes through Adam, but, but resurrection life comes through Jesus. And then look at the, the language they also in verses 20 and 23, where Jesus is described as, in verse 20, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Or again, in verse 23, describing the, the sequence of the resurrection, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. See, Jesus is the, the first crop of the harvest. And those firstfruits guarantee the rest of the harvest. Jesus' resurrection causes our resurrection. It demands our resurrection. Our resurrection is linked to his because Jesus has been raised from the dead. You and I, if we've put our trust in Christ have a hope of a future resurrection. See, Christ's resurrection demands the resurrection of believers. Otherwise, death wins. Without without Jesus' resurrection toppling over death and causing our resurrection, then death still wins. There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no eternal life without the resurrection of believers on the last day to a new bodily resurrection. See, this is our hope. If our, if our hope is only for this life, then it's not enough. If our hope is only for this life, then it, then it really ends up being meaningless because Christ's resurrection changes everything. Did, did you, do you hear the way Paul describes it? And if, and if we took time to read, and maybe you can do this later today, read more of, of chapter 15. The way the Apostle Paul describes this as as a change in history. We've moved from an age in which death reigns over man. 
the age of, of Adam and Adam's sin, to the age of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything has changed. God has ushered in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He reigns in resurrection victory, and he will bring us into his kingdom. Look at the way Paul describes it. In verse 23, he's describing the, the temporal sequence, that Jesus has been raised and we will be raised, but each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Now look at verse 24. Then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. See, Jesus' victory on the cross, Jesus' resurrection from the dead, Jesus' ascension into heaven is not the end of the story. That's the central, pivotal moment of the story. But our resurrection must come for his resurrection to have any power or meaning. That's the, the whole focus of history. That's where God's plan is going, to the resurrection of believers from the dead, to life everlasting. And so when we hear these words from 1 Corinthians 15, you and I can have resurrection hope. Hope for the future that invades our present, that invades the, the past. Because the hope of our future resurrection it reminds us that our sins have been forgiven. The hope of our future resurrection offers us real peace and comfort now. And the hope of our future resurrection assures us that we can have eternal life. Life that defeats death. So will you, will you put your trust in Christ? Will you receive the gift of, of resurrection life? Because Jesus offers us hope. The theme of this chapter is resurrection hope, but, it, but it's set in the broader context of God's glorious grace in this book. The unmerited favor and love of God that we cannot earn, that we don't deserve. Jesus is the one who has accomplished everything. He died in our place to pay for our sins. He was the righteous last Adam, who perfectly obeyed, and yet he is punished in the place of sinners. And then God shows his power by raising Jesus from the dead. You had nothing to do with it. You accomplished nothing in your own salvation. Jesus has done it all, and his resurrection proves him victorious. Victorious over your sin. Victorious over death. Jesus was raised from the dead, and so the the demand that is placed on us is to believe. Receive the hope that is offered to us today. The resurrection life that is given, the eternal life which gives us hope in the face of death. Will you put your trust in Christ? Will you turn from sin and believe in Jesus alone? On the night of Joel's death, his dad, Ryan, prayed to Jesus. The only hope we have is your resurrection. The prayer of a father watching his son die. The only hope we have is your resurrection. It's the only hope that means anything on the night of Joel's death. It's the only hope his parents needed the next morning. The resurrection is our hope. 
Ryan began making the video game during Joel's treatments. Now after his son's death, he needs to finish it. How can he offer resurrection hope in a game that ends with a child's death? As you begin to play, you, you, you start to realize, I think I know where this is going. The, the feeling of hopelessness and dread that, that builds throughout the game, you realize this will end in this little boy's death. One reviewer who, who played the game, he describes in his tears, and he's normally this, this loud, obnoxious YouTube reviewer, but in the solemnity of, of the moment, with tears streaming down his face, he says, you get to appreciate and love this little person who's taken away so quickly. And so how do you point to the hope of the resurrection when the story ends with the death of a child? So originally, Ryan imagined trying to, to depict heaven. And, and how do you depict heaven for a four-year-old? How about an amusement park with the lights and the excitement and the fun? But, but he was afraid that would, would distract And so in the final scenes of the game, you walk into this grand Gothic cathedral on the scale of the the most glorious cathedrals of Europe. And as you you explore, you begin to see that that this is almost a living cathedral. And yet it's also intertwined with all the the chords and, and assorted functions of the hospital room. And as you step to the front, you you hear the prayers from that gathering from the real recording of the night of his death. You hear the prayers of his parents, his extended family, his church. And then you find out that Joel is dead. And so Ryan captures the hope of Jesus' resurrection. For, it's, it's for a four-year-old. And so in the last scene, you, you enter into this beautifully lit summer forest. And you find this little boy there giggling on a picnic blanket with all of his favorite things, giant pancakes stacked taller than he is, pancakes with lots of syrup, and the puppy dog that he kept asking for. And then you get to blow bubbles because this little boy loved bubbles. And you hear him giggle, his recording of this little boy's voice. Now, it may not be enough of a picture of heaven. Even the, even the apostles struggled to describe the glories of heaven in Scripture. But what Ryan wanted to do is capture the hope, a hope of a journey that, that walks through the pain of cancer, the hope of a journey that steps to the edge of hopelessness, but a hope that extends beyond death. For Ryan, the idea of this video game was was simply initially a way for him to deal with his own grief, for him to kind of process. It was his way of journaling the events. It was a way for him to find hope in painful circumstances. But now that it's finished, it's a testimony to the hope of the resurrection, a resurrection which gives us hope and peace right now but a resurrection that gives us victory when we face death. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. 
but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Father in heaven, we thank you for the hope of the gospel, the hope of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would would shatter our false expectations about who Jesus is. Lord, that you would point us to the the power of the resurrection. Father, for those of us who who call ourselves Christians, Lord, let us live with with hope that extends beyond this present moment and hope that that stretches into eternity. Father, for those that gather with us today who have not acknowledged Jesus to be the Savior, who who have not accepted his resurrection as their only hope, Lord, I pray that you would give them faith now. That this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, would be a day filled with hope for us. A hope that comes to us only by your grace and through your power. Father in heaven, we thank you for those words which echo in our hearts. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. So we pray in Jesus' name, Jesus, our victorious and risen King. Amen.